Good afternoon, my brothers and sisters. This is Pastor D. Washington coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome to the Promise of Our Father podcast. We want to thank God for blessing us and doing the things that he's doing in the ministry. We ask that you continue to pray for us and we'll continue to pray for you. The last time we spoke in the podcast, we spoke from out of Genesis and it was titled, God Created Man as a Male and a Female in His Own Image on the Sixth Day. And today we're just going to continue with that message by speaking on the testimony of God. Because the testimony of God ties into what he created in his own image as a male and a female on the sixth day. And we're just going to continue to get uh, uh, the, the word of God out so that people can come from out of these walls and come from out of the ignorance of their thinking and believing that tomorrow is not promised and we all have to die. That is not the word of God and that is not scriptural. I want to show you through the teaching through this podcast, the promise of our father podcast, we're going to break down the wall of separation. Without that, without further ado, let us go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to start at verse 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. Or he who does not believe God has made him a liar because he did not believe the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life. And this eternal life is in his Son. So therefore, God is saying that if you believe in what I am saying, in what I promise you as my testimony, you can understand who I am as God. But he says, but the witness of men that most people actually operate from out of, because they see with their eyes deaf every day, because they are practicing what they're taught in the church, that we all have to die. They're practicing that tomorrow is not promised. So they're already afraid of what they've been practicing because God is trying to practice them, practice, teach them to practice in something that caused them to not be afraid. So my brothers and sisters, we hear and we see right here in the scriptures, the testimony of God is that he has given us eternal life. In John chapter 12, verse 43, it says that men and women praise, they, the people praise men. Men and women praise men. Men and women praise women. Men and women praise each other more than they praise God. Because if you're walking around and you're talking about that God, that the, tomorrow is not promised, you're already walking around in fear. And God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. We're going to get into that a little bit more, but I just want to rightly divide the word of truth because he says that, and this is the testimony. 
that God has given us eternal life. And this eternal life is in his son. Now, which one of his sons he's talking about? Because he had two sons, the begotten son and the beloved son. In John, in John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believe in him shall not perish. But then you realize that is the begotten son. But the begotten son, although that scripture says if you believe in him, you still have to believe in him to get the promises that he promised. He says, and you shall not perish, which means to die, but you shall have eternal life. So let's find out if the begotten son is in John 3, 16. Let's go to Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. He says that in Jesus was being baptized in that day, and prior to him being baptized, he prayed and the windows of heaven opened up. So if the windows of heaven opened up, the spirit of God came down in a bodily form. So if this body came down and it came down as the Holy Spirit and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Who was this that he was talking about as his beloved son? Uh-oh. So it had to be Christ. If the begotten son was the one who was getting baptized. So if this is the beloved son, let's go back and revisit 1 John chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. He says that the witness of men is not greater than the witness of God, huh? which he has testified of his son. Come on. So now he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself because that, that erases you making God from out of a liar. Who are you, Joker, to try to call God a liar? You don't call my daddy a liar. Who are you? Huh? Because God says, I don't need for you to understand who I am as God. I need for you to believe who I am as God over what man say I am as a God. So therefore, we got to get back into the scriptures because he says in, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, and this is the testimony. That God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. So when you realize that the Son of God came for the begotten Son of Mary, he, you begin to realize Jesus came in the flesh just like we did. Mm. So this beloved Son in whom he was well pleased in came to receive the individual that is going to bring us into the place where we have this eternal life. Amen? So in 1 John, let's see. And first John, let's go to, excuse me, in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, let's read a few scriptures. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He who, Christ, he who, the Lord God, was in the beginning with God. Because we realize in Genesis 2, 7, that the Lord God created man from the dust of the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and he became a living soul. So if the Lord God breathed the breath of life 
and made a man from the dust of the ground, or formed a man from the dust of the ground. It couldn't have been God if God was resting on the seventh day. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1 through 31, it tells you in verse 31, and he says that in Genesis chapter 2, he says that, and God rested from all his work. And he said, on the sixth day, God created a man in the image, and he created a man in his image, and he created a man in his own image, in the image of God. He created a male and female. So God rested on the sixth day. <laughs> Glory. This had to be Christ that was making everything that God promised. Because everything that was made, he who Christ, the Lord God in the beginning, everything was made. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. If God rested on the seventh day, it wasn't God making all these things if he was resting. Amen? And in him, who Christ, and in him, who the Lord God, and in him was eternal life, and this eternal life was the light of men. So now we go back to 1 John chapter 5, verse 10, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this eternal life is in his Son. So when we read first in John chapter 1, verse 4, in him who Christ, or the Lord God, was the eternal life, and the eternal life was the light of men. So God gave us eternal life through his Son Christ. And as we rightly divide the word of truth, we're going to realize that Jesus' purpose was for the Lamb to take away the sins of the world. Hmm? But Christ came to recuperate or recover Christ once he go through the process of understanding what his purpose was. Oh, I got to get out of that. Let's go back to John. John chapter 5, verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life. And this eternal life is in his Son, Christ. Verse 12. He who has the Son has eternal life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have eternal life. This is important, my brothers, because you can have Jesus and be saved through Jesus, confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. You can be saved and still not believe in eternal life. Or you can be saved in Jesus thinking you have Christ and thinking you have God and thinking that you have to die in order to receive what God promised you before you even die. Come on. So in essence, you can be saved by you confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In John, in Romans chapter 10, huh? the Christians and the believers need to know just because you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that the Lord, the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead, just by this, God doesn't give you eternal life. It is the beginning of the process of you coming into the glory and the promise of God because even Jesus had to realize that he didn't have eternal life if he rejected the knowledge of Christ. By, by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead do not do make you saved. But you need to ask yourself, what did it make you saved from? It make you saved from sin and death, correct? 
So if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you eventually die, did your belief and confession of a God, about God raised Jesus from the dead save you from death? If you eventually die, the answer is unequivocally or it, it, or it is in any way or it is in, 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 in a way that it leaves no doubt. Right? Unequivocally. It shouldn't leave any doubt in your mind. If you are saved from sin and death, and you encounter death, how could that save you? How could that give you eternal life? Huh? So we need to know, and we need to come into the knowledge what we are saved from. Although we've been taught all our life that you receive eternal life when you die, but have you ever asked yourself the question, exactly what do eternal life means? We know the majority of you who are listening know what it means, but I give, the, I give you the definition to eternal life anyway, just to clear the air, Amen. The definition of eternal life means lasting or existing forever, without end or beginning. The definition of death is the action or fact of dying or being killed, the end of life of a person or organism. So in retrospect of the scriptures being taught through the knowledge of God and Christ, just confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart doesn't give you eternal life. Although you are saved. Searching the scriptures to know that you have eternal life is powerful and real. Because these are they, or these are those who testify of Christ. Who we see in the scriptures through the testimony of God in, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, that he has given us eternal life. And to those who testify of his son Christ. My brothers and sisters, I talked to you about the last time God created man as a male and a female in his own image on the sixth day. This message is powerful because this message that I taught in the last episode ties into this message that I'm teaching on today. The testimony of God is God creating a man as a male and a female in his own image on the sixth day. When I really look at that, I realize where a male and a female come from out of the bowels of a man from. It comes from out of the bowels of God. So the seed that we produce in a male, in a female as a male is actually the promise of God that he, that he intended to be in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Because he says, and God created man in his own image and after his own life. Hey, God. And he said that as a male and a female, he created he them. But prior to that, God created, he made a man out of his image and out of his likeness through him and his son Christ. He said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and give him dominion. So God made a man and then he created a man. So in essence, God spoke what he wanted it to be in his image because the spirit of God speak things into, into his into existence, but then God made a man 
in his own image and the image of his son Christ out of without even hands putting on it. He said he made a man in his own image without hands. Hey, as you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, if this earthly house, this earthly tent dissolves, he said, I have another building built by God. Hey, in eternity, in eternity, he says that it's made without hand. So all these scriptures ties into us understanding and coming into the knowledge. But there's an enemy out there. That is causing us to be in a place where fear has come upon us. So if eternal life can't be what we receive if you die, that means death has to be an enemy to God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. In Luke 10, 19, and when Christ was teaching, he says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, and nothing by shall by any means hurt me. Hold up. If Christ has given us all the power over the enemy, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death, Shouldn't that indicate we have power over death? Correct. Now, if more, now it make more sense to believe in God's testimony of his son Christ, that he has given us eternal life. And furthermore, we read in 1 John 2.25 that God promised us eternal life. Now, if this doesn't open up your understanding and help you comprehend the scriptures, I don't know what will, my brothers and sisters. Even the scriptures teaches us that we have been released from death. Come on. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Let's go there. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 reads, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and, blood, flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. What is this saying to us? Is that Jesus, this is what this is saying to us, is that Jesus' body, as the Lamb of God, was the sacrificial offering for our body that is in flesh and blood. We are in and we are in and the sin in our body and his body is in. That Jesus' flesh and blood was used as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world or the people of God. How we know that? The purpose of Jesus' body as the Lamb of God was to what? Release. Huh? It was to release us in Hebrews 2.15 that he would release us who through the fear of death were all our lifetime subject to bondage. So death even to this day has Christians and believers in bondage all our lifetime because we don't understand the sacrificial the sacrificial offering of sin. You do know if there's no sin in the body, death cannot abide. 
In 1 John chapter 5, in verse 20, somewhere down there in 21, it said that he said that they that are they that are, they that are born of God has no sin. Mm. Come on. So if sin is not in the body, it is a picture of you being born again of God. See, you don't stop just at the baptism of Jesus because it says be baptized in the name of the Father. In Matthew 28, 19, it says be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Most people are taught that through in their baptism, but when it comes down to the revelation knowledge of being baptized, in all three, because if you have to be born of God and be without sin, you cannot be in a place just in Jesus thinking you going thinking you are in God. Mm. Even Jesus told John, even Jesus told his disciples, even Jesus told was told by Christ. Huh? Even Christ told Jesus in John 14, uh, 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said that, and no one, not even you, Jesus, can come to the Father except through me. So death had us captivated, death had us pulverized all the days of our life because we've been taught that we all have to die and tomorrow is not promised. So that doesn't give an individual or Christians and believers hope to stand up in the promises that God gave. Because they believe more what they see than believing in more what they cannot see. So in Hebrews, so death even to this day has Christian and believers in bondage all their lifetime because they don't understand the lamb. Jesus' body was used to take away the sin in our bodies through his blood and his body. And through that process, God eliminates sin and death in our bodies through Jesus' body. At the cross. But however, before the body of Jesus made it to the cross, Jesus was baptized by the body of Christ by John the Baptist. And Jesus was 30 years old when his ministry was complete. In Luke chapter 3, as I said earlier, verse 21 and 22, he was baptized by the promise of our Father as the bread that came down from heaven. This was actually the opportunity for us to understand what John 6.45. I am the bread of life. And if you eat of this living bread that came down from heaven, you shall live forever and not die. So this is where Christ came down as the bread. And this is where Jesus' ministry ended as Jesus, who has become now the Christ. Oh, God. And the people were baptized in Jesus' past. And the windows of heaven opened up, brothers, in Luke chapter 3. And the Spirit of God came down and said, this is my beloved son who come to get my begotten son. He came to rescue him. My brothers, this is heaven. 
So I want you to realize if God so loved the world and he gave his only begotten son, the beloved and the begotten son has to be identified in their differences. Because if you're going to be baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, we was baptized in Jesus' death. We was buried in Jesus' death. We was raised in the newness of life. In Romans chapter 6, it teaches us in the newness of life, we become Christ. Hey, glory. Hmm? To differentiate, to differentiate the two sons of God is powerful, and through understanding the knowledge of them, both brings us into the true knowledge of God in Christ. This is where the scriptures began to open up to Christians and believers. So if Jesus is the begotten son, Christ has, has to be the beloved son of God in whom God is well pleased is at, at the baptism ceremony. Now we see Jesus' flesh and blood. Now we see why Jesus' flesh and blood in Hebrews 2.14 had to encounter sin in our bodies. But what most Christians and believers don't know is that Christ came to rescue Jesus' body and prepare Jesus' body as the Lamb of God for the cross. Amen? Because Christ's body that was now in control of Jesus' body on the third day when Jesus and Christ both was raised from the dead in one body, this body of Christ and Jesus' appearance abolished death. Jesus' body didn't abolish death. Jesus' body and blood re removed sin that causes death. Come on. But at the appearance of Christ, who was in Jesus' body, abolished death and brought eternal life and immortality through the gospel. Hey, this is what we are doing right now. Through the gospel of Christ, His, at Christ's appearance. Hey, glory. Now that we hope, now that we have been released from sin and death through the blood of the Lamb, who is Jesus, we now have to believe in the abolishment of death through the appearance of Christ. Hmm? The beloved Son of God. Man. Let's go to 2 Timothy and find out a few more things, my brothers and sisters. I'm enjoying this. I don't know if you are, but I'm having fun. I'm just sitting there chopping it up, chilling. Because I understand the knowledge of God. He says in Isaiah 28, 9 and 10, he says, In whom will God get to teach knowledge? And whom will God get to understand the message? He says, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. So this is what God has taught me and how to teach the word. Take them to the scriptures and show them clearly. So if they have a problem with the scriptures, they should have a problem with God and not me teaching. Because Christ is our teacher, according to Matthew 23.8. So if Christ is our teacher, and let no one teach you unless it is through the Spirit of Christ. Because the fact of the matter, man can teach you in the perspective as if it's Christ teaching. And can be teaching you straight from out of the flesh, just the Word of God. You can study the word and show yourself approval without a man teaching you or a woman teaching you the word. Because Christ is our teacher who was with God as the word. 
So therefore, we must understand that now that we have been released from sin and death through the blood of Jesus, through the blood of the Lamb, who is Jesus, we have to believe in the abolishment of God through Christ. Amen? So let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Look at 2 Timothy verse 1 that ties into Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 and 15. If you've been released from death, that you was in bondage all your lifetime, you have to realize for God has not given us a spirit of fear. If you've been released from death, which is the last enemy to be destroyed in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 26, if you've been released from death, he says you should not have the spirit of fear. If Christ in Luke chapter 10 verse 19 gave you all the power over the enemy and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Have you been released from death? High glory. Oh, God. God said, I didn't give you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. The spirit is, the spirit of fear has pulverized the people of God throughout the years because Christians and believers refuse to confront the fear the way they should. If fear pulverized the people of God or if it has caused believers and Christians to reduce their thinking into fine particles and ab about the power of God, the church will always be in bondage to death. We learn from the scriptures in Hebrews 2.15 that we have been released from the power of death, that we've been in bondage and subject to all our lifetime because of fear. Now we further find out in the scriptures, God, God, we, we read in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that God didn't give us the spirit of fear. And if you are in fear of death, this indicates you are not in, you are not operating from out of the power of God. And it also indicates that you you could be a part of that group that has a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Once you come into the knowledge of God, it lets you recognize in the scriptures and through the word of God that you have been given power over all the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. Plus, you understand the enemy that Christ has the enemy that Christ has given us power over is the last enemy to be destroyed, which is death. In 1 Corinthians 15, 26. And my brothers and sisters, the reason I repeat these scriptures over and over, because we've been taught scriptures in such a way, but line upon line and precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. God say, who's going to teach knowledge and who I'm going to get to believe my message? This is why I go over the scriptures. So if you keep hearing these scriptures, it is for the purpose of trying to break down the walls of separation that we've been taught all our lives. That's how I actually understand what God is speaking. Because I keep going over what God promise me. I keep going over what God's testimony is. I have the testimony of God in the scriptures tells us that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of him. The 
spirit of prophecy. So I'm prophesizing like Enoch prophesies. I'm prophesizing because this is the testimony of Enoch that he did not taste death for 365 years. He didn't taste death. He walked in the earth just like everybody else did. He was the seventh from God. He was the seventh from Adam. And God said, I finally found someone who was Speak my eternal glory to the people of God who don't believe in me as God. Enoch, out of all them years, his sons and daughters, can you imagine death was still going on? And Enoch said, if Lord, you promise me eternal life, and I'm going to speak your testimony. Oh, my brother, that's another message. But oh, my brothers and sisters, you'll hear that again indeed. So uh, you'll hear that again, so stay tuned. By you and I rightly dividing the spirit, the scriptures, and understanding the message of Christ's teaching, you didn't realize why God says he didn't give us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind in 2 Timothy 1.7. But 2 Timothy 1.8 says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of God. <laughs> Look what he say. And I think most Christians and believers are ashamed to say or talk about eternal life because they don't have the knowledge. They have been taught that eternal life is after you die. And I come on, my man, come on. That's not going forever. That's not lasting forever. That's not beginning and end. I'm showing you in just the scriptures, my brothers. He says that 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 that, that in, in, in 2 Timothy, I have given you, I didn't give you the spirit of fear, but I gave you my testimony as God. Don't be ashamed of my testimony as God. Why? You need to know why God give us the testimony of God, because it is the power of God. So what is the testimony of God? So we go back and revisit 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. And this is the testimony of God, that God has given us eternal life. And this eternal life is in his son Christ. So my brothers and sisters, why are we ashamed? Of the gospel of Christ Jesus. Hey, why are we ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because it is the power of God. Who will believe my message? He said, who will understand the knowledge? Who will understand the message through the knowledge? Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. My brothers in John 5, look what he says. Search the scriptures that you may think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of Christ. But I want you to know there's another group out there. These are they. If you search the scriptures, see the problem the church has, they don't even think they have eternal life. And the way they think that they have eternal life is through the man, through a man thoughts. And I want you to know that you can't have man thoughts and Christ thoughts and God thoughts at the same time and be in God and Christ the way God and Christ thoughts are. Hmm? Because Christ said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, he said that, uh, let this mind that be in you be also in Christ Jesus, who was in the form of God. God formed us 
on the sixth day in his image and after his likeness created a male and a female and God put himself in a body that was created from a male and a female in his own image and God on the sixth day made a body that was made without a hand that he created us in so that we could operate hey glory in the spirit of him and the promise of our Father, so that we may know that we have eternal life. Cite the scriptures. You got to start thinking about living forever and not dying, because these are the scriptures that Christ came to teach. In John 6, 6, he says his teaching was so powerful that even his disciples that he had called and chose, he asked the questions, do you want to go to his disciples that follow him? left him, turned around and walked with him no more. And he didn't look at them and ask them, hey man, where you going? Oh, Sister Susan, where you going? Deacon, Deacon, Deacon Jojo, where you going? Pastor, my associate pastor, where you going? My sister, where you going? My brother, where you going? I thought you was a member of this church for three years and you leaving? And Christ did not say a mumbling word. He looked at the 12 disciples he chose. And he says, mm, let me ask you something, brother. He says, oh, do you want to go with them? He said, if you want to go with them, I see you and I see you. And Peter answered for everybody. He said, hey, Father, where are we going to go? You got the word hey, of eternal life. You got the word of the power of God. Where are we going to go? You are the son of God. Where are we going to go? Christ let people leave from out of ministry who didn't believe in the eternal testimony and the eternal promise of God. Hey, so you think God is worried about who's going to receive this message or not? He already have a remnant. Wait, he already have a group of people that is going to enter into his rest. Are you one of those groups? Are you one of those people? Are you one of those persons that is going to believe in eternal life? Are you going to continue to believe what man says? Hey, the witness of God is greater than the witness of man. People praise men more than they praise God. Hey, glory. Search the scriptures and you believe that you might think you might have eternal life. And these are they that testify of his son Christ. In First John, First John chapter 5, he says that in my, I have given you eternal life, and this eternal life comes through my son, Christ. And these are they who testify of me, who think they have it. So when you think you have eternal life, that's a start of knowing that Christ is the one you're speaking about. Amen. But since many Christians and believers have not so learned Christ, why? Because the majority of Christians and believers are not willing to testify huh, and come to Christ that they may have eternal life. They think because they are saved and confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that they have eternal life. My brothers and sisters, that you are a long ways from that point. My God. 
So, brothers and sisters, I want you to realize through the teaching of the teaching of Christ and the promise of our Father teaching, you have to understand that there is a group of people in John 5 40 says why people have not so learned Christ. Because the majority of Christians and believers are not willing to testify and come to Christ that they may have eternal life. I truly believe in my heart. People are afraid to have a discussion about eternal life because they don't expect to, they don't know what to expect tomorrow is. I do. I know what to expect with tomorrow is if I got the mind of Christ. I know what to expect tomorrow is if I think it's not a robbery to be in the form of God as Christ. Who has given God the who has who who can give God the instructions? He says, but we have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. So when you begin to put all these scriptures together, it gives you the power and the nothing that you need that you have over death. Even God testified of his son, Christ, that he gave us eternal life. Even God, through Christ, eternal spirit, he said, I need church leaders, bishops, and pastors, and apostles. I need church members, I need prophets, and I need people, teachers, who have been taught for so long that we all have to die tomorrow is not promised. He said, I need for them to renew the spirit of their mind in my son Christ, hey, and put on a new man, put on a new woman that is created, uh-oh, after God. When you look at that old brothers, y'all got me getting into the sermon, got so much to go through, and I'm telling you, these episodes is going to bring you to another place, brother, if you're beginning to enjoy this like I am. I'm sitting here just chilling, and I'm doing what God called me to do, and I'm having so much fun because God called me into a place to speak the words of wisdom. Hey, get wisdom and get knowledge, God says in the book of Proverbs, amen? And that's what we are doing through the word of God. So I think they are afraid to teach on eternal life. I think it's easy for them to talk about death. I think spiritual church leaders and bishops and pastors and preachers and teachers and all these guys that affiliate with the Spirit of God for so long that we all have to die and tomorrow is not promised. I think they are afraid to teach the eternal Spirit of God because people are dying on a daily basis. So that makes them inferior teaching on the message of eternal life. Let me open your eyes and understand your eyes and understanding to the word of God. When God commanded Christ to teach on eternal life in John chapter 12, 49, 50, people was dying on a daily basis, but that didn't stop him from teaching what God commanded him to teach. And I'm going to tell you right now, here at Spiritual Cuts Ministry, through the Promise of Our Father podcast, we are not going to stop teaching on eternal life because it is the eternal spirit of God. And this is how you please God. You can't please God in the flesh. You can't please God without faith because the faith of the flesh can't give you what God asks him for. But the faith of a body that is made without hands, when you realize what Hebrews Hebrews 11 says, and now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. When you go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, it says, let no one cheat you at your reward. He said, let no one cheat you out the Sabbath. Let no one tell you what day you should worship God or have a festival about God. But I tell you, all these things are a shadow to come. But I tell you, but the 
substance is of Christ. If the substance is of Christ, Christ has to be the substance. So therefore, if you go back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, you find out that the substance that we are hoping for is the body of Christ that is made without hands that we are hoping for that God give us as faith. So now you are finding out that to have the faith of God, you have to have the faith of Christ in a body that is made without hands. So therefore, you have to continue teaching on something you can't even comprehend. You know you have it, but you got to practice what you have in order for you to maintain to keep it. And the problem church folks have is that they practice what they are taught and what they've been preached to, but they don't practice what they read, what the scriptures say in 1 John chapter 5 huh, verse 11 in, in 1 John chapter, chapter 2 verse 25 he said this is the promise that I have promised, I promise you that I have given you eternal life. Hey, glory. Come on. Hey, glory. And he says, let no one cheat you, my brothers and sisters, out of your reward. I'm getting all fired up now, brothers. Y'all better watch out. So in John chapter 12, would you, I would have you to know that Christ in John chapter 12, verse 49, and it reads this here. Christ teaches his disciples, I have not spoken and I have, I am not teaching on my own, but it is God, my Father, gave me a commandment. What he should teach, what he should speak, and what he should say. And he said, I know that my Father, who is God, gave me a commandment to teach everlasting life. So he says, that's why I am going to teach, and that's why I'm going to say. That's what I'm going to say. Although people are dying in the earth every day, he said, I'm going to continue teaching on it until I can get a group of people who, you, 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 hold up, you want to leave too? He, he looked at us, he looked at me one day and said, uh, uh, Pastor D, you want to leave too? And I said, no, Father. I said, you got the words of eternal life. I'm not going nowhere because in that same chapter in John chapter 6, verse 66, he says that the word of eternal life, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread that came down from heaven. See, when you read this here, by the time they got to that, they say, man, I don't hear no more of this here. So if you don't want to listen to, the more, no, to no more of this message, I understand. And I'm not even offended because even they walked off from Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so therefore, I wouldn't be mad at you, brother. I still love you, and I will continue to pray for you. But the spirit of him and the promise of my father. So I want to know if God is giving us this everlasting life through his teaching where he sent his son to speak and say as a commandment, everlasting life and eternal life. Why are we as spiritual church leaders or not? teaching on eternal life and living forever and not dying. And I'll tell you why. They have not so learned Christ. And the spirit of fear has pulverized their thinking to thin, small particles. Their enemy has reduced their thinking and believing in the power of God. Because in 2 Timothy 1.10, it says that death has been abolished by Christ, abolished 
formally, huh? Huh? Formally, but and form abolish means formally put an into a system. So the word abolish means, so if Christ abolished death, he put an end to it. He put an end to a system. So if you're in a system that is practicing teaching that tomorrow is not promising and that we all have to die, you are part of a system and you are practicing. Hmm? He abolished death. So he put an end to the system. He put an end to the practice. He put an end to, if you are part of an institution, I don't care what denomination, because that's 45,000 of them out there, and if you fall into them at 2 billion Christians and, and thousands and thousands of followers of a Jesus is out there. So I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, if they are teaching you that you are not able to be here tomorrow and tomorrow is not promised and we all have to die, that means they are rejecting the abolishment of the appearance of Christ. And God says, I have sent myself at the appearance of death. Death had to run and flee from God's son Christ in whom he sent because that was God's testimony hey, that he gave to his people. My brothers and sisters, 2 Timothy. Abolishment means that something that has been done away with. We are saved with a holy calling. 2 Timothy 1.10. We are saved with a holy calling for God on purpose, in which God has given us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death, brought eternal life and immortality to light through the gospel. So we are not mortal. You are not mortal any longer if you have the spirit of Christ and been promised to pro and understand the promise of God. That's why you're not in the flesh. You're in the flesh when you mortal. Even Jesus had to come from out of the mortal flesh to be a part of the promise. Because for 30 years, Jesus was mortal. But after the spirit of him and the promise of our father came down as the bread of life and baptized Christ as the Holy Spirit, number two, God actually allowed for Christ to take over Jesus' body to bring him from out of mortal into immortality. But it took 40 days for the conversion to take place. Christ was leading Jesus in the, in, in the, in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights after he was led by God in Christ in the wilderness so that he could make the conversion to become what Christ was supposed to make him to be. Huh? The enemy didn't come for Christ because he flees when he feels this, when he when he sees or feels the spirit of Christ. He came for Jesus. And Christ had to teach Jesus for 40 days. How to make the conversion from leaving the martyr to immortality. Oh, he brought the gospel of Christ to the Son of Jesus. Man, this is heavy.
So in essence, if the gospel of, Christ, of Jesus Christ is taught, uh, is taught for God's purpose, we would clearly see that God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but has abolished death or done away with or put an end to the, a system, a institution, or the practice of one teaching that tomorrow is not promised and we all have to die. God has abolished them through the body of Christ, through the body of Christ Jesus, and brought eternal life and immortality to any Christians, any believers who believe in his testimony and promise that he has promised us eternal life. My brothers and sisters, don't let no one cheat you out of your reward. My brothers and sisters, uh, well, don't let no one cheat you from out of your reward. My brothers and sisters, don't let no one cheat you from out of your gift. Because the gift and the reward of God is eternal life. Come on. Although I realize everybody don't want to live forever and have eternal life, but I do. And I will teach my family and everybody that God put in my path, I will teach eternal life for all the days of my life if that's what pleases God. In Hebrews chapter 5, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, I was talking about Enoch earlier. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. Enoch did not taste death because he kept the testimony of God. And God preserved Enoch's body from death. And Enoch was the seventh, the seventh son from Adam in Jude 14, you find that. Prophesied to God about eternal life and living forever and never tasting death. Enoch was a man in human flesh just like we are or just like we were and never died. Why? Because he believed in what the other Christians and believers didn't. While everybody was saying to God, we all have to die and tomorrow's not promised, Enoch was saying to God, Father, I know that you promised me eternal life and I will live forever and not die. And God told Enoch, because you know you will live forever and not die, I want you to know that you are the completion of my rest. Huh? I Excuse me, I rested on the seventh day because you are the seventh son from Adam. What if, e, glory, what would happen if we take on the attitude of Enoch and the attitude of our spiritual church leaders, apostles, and bishops, and prophets, and pastors, and bishops, and teachers, take on the mind of Christ who thought it not robbery to be equal with God? Because this is what Enoch did. Come on. If if so, if 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 we search the scriptures, for in them, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they that testify of me, Christ. Huh? We told you about how Enoch, the seventh son from Adam, who lived 365 years and walked with God, and God took him, and he didn't taste death. In Genesis 5, 2, 21 and 24, and Hebrew 5, 11, 5 and 6, and Jude 14. So go back to those scriptures and read that and see how powerful that message is. 
But I want you to know there are they who are not willing to do what Enoch did. There are they who are not willing to do what the Spiritual Cuts Ministry are doing. There are they who listen to the podcast, the Problems of Our Father podcast, who are not going to be willing to do it. They're going to love the message. They're going to love him, what is being said. But they're not going to follow the oracles of God. They're not going to follow the testimony of God. They're not going to follow the promises of God because they're going to let someone cheat them from out of their reward. Hey, glory. Jesus Christ and not willing to come to Christ that they may have eternal life. Whom will God teach knowledge? And whom will, make, whom will God make to understand the message? Precept upon precept and line upon line. Now when death occurs in the life of a person and that individual kept confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that God raised the, raised the Lord Jesus from the dead receive the resurrection life. They will be raised from the dead through the power and the glory of God when that come, when that time come. But for those who search the scriptures and know that they have been promised eternal life through the testimony of God, speak and walk in the power and the authority they have been given over death through Christ, the Son of God. God doesn't please, God doesn't, God doesn't have pleasure in the death of one who died. So why would God promise us eternal life and then testify as a testimony that he has given us eternal life and has no pleasure in in the death of one who died, if he wasn't, huh? If he wasn't capable of, uh, capable uh, to perform what he promised, why? Why wouldn't God? Why would he continue to say these things? Search the scriptures, my brother. And scripture teaches God is against death. I told you earlier in Ezekiel 18, 31, 32. Cast away from you all the transgressions in which you have committed, all the things that you've been taught, all the things you've been told, all the erroneous things, the spirit of error versus the spirit of truth. He says, he says, Take away, he said, cast away these things and get yourself a new heart and a new spirit. Why not start the day, my brothers and sisters? I don't know how old you may be or young you may be, but get yourself a new heart and a new spirit. Cast away all this teaching about tomorrow. It's not promising we all have cast away this teaching that you've been taught. It's cast away being in fear of death because you have power over death with his causing you to be in fear. And God wants you to know, cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed and get yourself a new heart and a new spirit. For why would ye die, O house of Israel? For I am God. He said, I as God have no pleasure in the death of the one who died, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. My brothers, this is in Ezekiel 18, 31 through 32. I told you I was going to give you the scriptures because I want you to know what God taught me through his, the spirit of Christ. Because if we all get together, and we all start preaching and teaching and assembling ourselves together, huh? Being equally yoked with one another together, you would be you wouldn't believe how much change in the earth would take. Now we would be in control of what God gave us dominion over when he created us in his image and his likeness, in his own image and his own likeness on the sixth day. God wants us to take over. Is there anybody out there willing to take over? Because God is looking for somebody 
ready to take over. Oh, I'm ready. I'm willing, my father, to take over. I just need me 12 people. Hey, glory, to help me take over. Hey, come on. Oh, God. Why are we taught through spiritual church leaders that tomorrow is not promised? Why are we taught by a bishop and a pastor and preacher and teachers that we all have to die? I've been taught it, brother. I even taught it myself as a preacher. I even taught it myself as a minister. I even taught it myself as a deacon. So I'm not picking on nobody. I'm no different than nobody. I just come into the knowledge, and I thank God, one man, brother named Elder Travis Lewis, I got to put his name out there. He come to me one day, and he says, my brother, let me explain something to you. I had just eulogized my brother, O.S. Lee, if anybody know him. My brother, I just eulogized him, and I was all pumped up. I came back to work that Monday morning, actually Tuesday morning, because the the eulogy was on a Monday. And I was talking to Pastor, and I was talking to Elder Lewis, and Elder Lewis, I was all bragging, the name of the title, I still know the name of the title. Living in Dying Place. Living in Dying Place. Oh, I had put that thing together. I thought I had did something. That brother looked at me and said, mm. he says, let me ask you this here, Brother D. He says, what if you didn't have to die? I said, come on. What you got? He says, in John 3.16, he said, that God so loved the world that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the word perish means not die and have everlasting life. He says in John 6.48, he says, I am the bread of life. He says, not like your father and him did eat in the wilderness and are dead. He says that if you eat of this bread, you shall not die. But if you eat of this living bread, you shall live forever and not die. I said, come on. Let me tell you something, my brothers and my eyes opened to the Spirit of God. And from that day, I never stopped believing in eternal life. Because God took me to a place where I was destined to be removed from. See, I was willing to allow for my spirit. I was willing to get a new heart. I was willing to get a new spirit. I was willing to believe what the Word of God says. And when I started understanding what I believe, God started teaching me more what I understood. So God gave me what I was asking Him for because at one time, even in the in the in the ignorance of my ministry, I even asked God to give me the spirit of Enoch. I didn't even know what I was asking for, <laughs> but the spirit that intercedes on my behalf knew that if I came across an individual that can bring and open up my mind and open up my understanding and teach me the knowledge and teach me the message, and I would understand the message so I can be the teacher of the message that I understand through the knowledge of the spirit of the teaching of Christ. He knew if I caught on to that message. I would be right here today doing what I'm doing, brothers and sisters. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God. So why are we being taught through spiritual church leaders that we all have to die and tomorrow is not promised? This type of teaching is clearly against the teaching of God and the teaching of Christ. Remember on Matthews 23.8 says, There is only one who is your teaching, who is Christ. I'm saying this in John 6.45 that we all 
all is taught. It is written in the prophets. And we all shall be taught and learned by God. Because you can't get to the Father or you can't get to the teaching of God unless you go through the teaching of Christ. If death and eternal life has two different meanings and has if God has no pleasure in one in the one who died, then that also should mean huh, that if a person or individual confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead and eventually death comes upon that person, this should mean that the individual who believe in the promises of God and the testimony of God, which is that he has given us eternal life, should not receive the same reward or the same gift of God as the individual who didn't believe or rather been taught that you receive eternal life after you die and go to heaven. But how could we do this or how could this be if God has no pleasure in the one who died? Plus the scripture teaches us in 1 John 5, 10, 11, he or she who does not believe that the testimony that he has given us eternal life through his son Christ has made God out of a liar and God is no liar. So what this is really saying is that what God has promised to us through his Son Christ, and then made this his testimony in one big life. He is one big liar that God has given us eternal life. They're saying that God is one big liar a while about what he said in 1 John chapter 5, verse 9, 10, and 11, and 12, and 13, if you read it. Come on, because 13 says, and that you may know you have eternal life. So what is this really saying? My brothers and sisters, God has promised us through his son Christ. Then made this his testimony. This, is, this, this, this can't be a lie, brothers and sisters, that God has given us eternal life. Let's see what happened to those who don't believe in Christ and the promise and the testimony of God. So now watch this here. Now this is powerful, my brothers and sisters. Now, in John chapter 11, it's heavy. John chapter 11, the whole chapter is heavy. Christ was teaching. John chapter 11, verse 21 through 26. Now, Martha said to Christ, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know what, whatever you ask of God, he will give you. Now, her brother Lazarus was dead. Christ intentionally stayed four days after after he told after he was told that Lazarus has died because in Juda Judaism or in the in 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 in, 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 the, in the Jewish in the Jewish culture they believe that they that the life of a person doesn't leave the body until the third day. So Christ waited an extra day and about. Uh, and, and he arrived about that time where Lazarus was. His body was already in decay, in the decaying process. But it was one thing Martha was confident of, that whatever Christ asks of God, he will give it to him. Gee, that's heavy to me. This is powerful because God promised and testimony came through Christ. And if we know and if we have the spirit of Christ in us, God will give us whatever Christ asks us on his behalf. 
Let's continue reading in John chapter 11, verse 21, 22. Let's go to verse 23. So Jesus said, so Christ said to her, your brother will be raised again. Martha said to him, I know that he will be I know that he will rise again in the in the resurrection in the last day. Wait a minute. If Lazarus is dead, and on the last day he will be raised again in the resurrection. Now this doesn't sound like Lazarus, although he died, received eternal life. Or did he? I have a question. Is the resurrection or being raised from the dead is the same thing as eternal life? Come on. Let's continue reading and find out. In John chapter 11, verse 25, it says that Christ said to her, after she spoke that, I know that he'll give you anything. Yeah, I know that in the last day of the resurrection, he'll be raised up again. Whatever you ask of God, he'll give it to you. So Christ answered her and he says, he says, I am the resurrection, Mary and Martha. He says that the eternal, I am the resurrection and the eternal life. And he says, he or she who believes in me, though he, talking about Lazarus, may die, though my mother may die, though my father may die, though my brother may die, although they have already died, he said, and passed away and may have died, they shall live again. Why? Because Christ has the power to raise the dead through the Spirit of God. Mm. But watch what happened in the next verse. This is going to blow you away, my brothers and sisters. In verse 26 in John chapter 11, and he says, Whoever lives and are alive and remains and believes in me as Christ shall never die. He says, Do you, Martha? Do you, brother? Do you, sister? Do you, Mary? Do you, my pastor? Do you, bishop? Do you, apostle? Do you, teachers? Do you, pastors and preachers? Do you believe in thou this? Hey, glory. Do you believe in this, my brothers and sisters, that he said that I am alive and I am who I say I am as God? And he says, whosoever lives, that means I am alive right now and I am alive right now through the Spirit of Christ, and I have the promise of my Father, and I have the testimony of God, and I have the body that God created in His own image as a male and female. On the sixth day, I have the body that is made without hands. On the sixth day, that God has promised me if I hold on to it, hey, glory. Because that body that God created in his own image uh, as a male and a female is a picture of the church. Mm. So my brother, he says, do you believe thou this? Did you hear that? Do you believe now this, Christ just explains what happened to people who die that confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. The reward they receive is the resurrection in the last day. But in John eleven twenty six, 26, he says he explained what happened to those who believe in the promises of God, who believe in the testimony of God, and that he was given them, that he has given us eternal life and we shall not die and live forever. Then Christ asks, 
one thing. He asked the most incredible question I have ever read in the scripture. Do you believe in eternal life, living forever and not dying in this body while you are alive? Why is this not being taught, my brothers and sisters in the church? Why is this not being taught, my brothers and sisters in the church? There's a lot more I have to go, my brothers. And I want to go for a little bit more because I don't want to make the message too long. I want to keep them in episodes so we can stay focused and keep the attention that we need. Amen. But I want to read these last two scriptures that we went over already. And God had did something. This is searching the scriptures, my brothers. And knowing that you have eternal life is so powerful. God gave his son Christ to teach eternal life as a commandment. And John 12, as I said previously, 49 and 50. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a commandment of what I should teach and what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that God's commandment is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I teach, whatever I speak, and whatever I say, just as the Father has told me, just as the Father has spoken to me, so I teach and I speak whatever he command me to say. I pray, my brothers and sisters, that you are out there listening to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. This is Pastor D coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia, through the pod, through the promise of our the promise of our Father podcast. And we're going to continue, Father God. We're going to continue the next episode. So stay tuned, brother. Because the testimony of God is that he has given us eternal life. Thank you. Have a blessed day and may God continue to bless you and your family forever. Amen. <laughs>